Hi all, and welcome to episode four in series two of the In Focus podcast. I'm Dana Hoofy, communications officer for Retina International, and I'm joined by Claudette Medifint and Karen Denton from Retina South Africa. Would you two like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your work? Thank you, Dana, for asking us to be on this important podcast to talk about retinal degeneration. My name is Claudette Medifint, and I'm the Head of Science and Patient Services for Retina South Africa, and I've been a patient advocate for the last 40 years. It's my pleasure to say that I recruited Karen Denton to come and help me on, at Retina South Africa, and she's a worldwide expert on age-related macular degeneration and diabetes. And Corin, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, um, thank you so much, Claudette. And um, as you said, my name is Corin Denton. I have been with Retina South Africa for a few years, although it feels like a lifetime. I'm really part of the furniture. And at Retina, I head up advocacy and education. And I love every moment of it. Excellent. Thank you. So we're fairly far into the pandemic now. Uh, We've spent over a year now adjusting to this new normal. Can you tell me how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted patients with retinal conditions, um, particularly those living with AMD and diabetes-related eye diseases? Well, first of all, we know that there was and still is a tremendous fear of visits to the ophthalmologist. People became so afraid to venture out and added to this, they simply would not visit a doctor, an ophthalmologist for fear of contracting COVID. We were able, however, to reassure those on our database. We phoned every single person on our AMD database to encourage them not to skip their appointments, especially if they required anti-VEGF. We also pointed out that the precautions being taken by the ophthalmologist should be taken into account and that it was safer to have the injection than to risk that ruptured vessel in the eye. Absolutely. And we found that it restricted people in so many ways. For example, their exercise was restricted. So people weren't able to walk or swim and they stopped exercising. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in lifestyle. And also, um, you know, their fears were not unfounded. As a partially sighted people, I know that during COVID, I was quite scared to go, not scared to go out because I took extra precautions with gloves, et cetera, but you're scared of touching surfaces. And that's how you negotiate your way in an unknown environment. You touch handrails, uh, you touch lift buttons, et cetera. Uh, I got so that I didn't even want to touch the, uh, the buttons on a credit card machine. So I'm very happy that they've now introduced the scanning technique, but you still have to put in your pin. So tactile limitations have inhibited people. And in fact, even with social distancing, as partially sighted people, we of course use like to use a sighted guard when we're in unknown areas. And people were actually harassed by the police for not keeping a proper social distance. So it has made 
a very big and negative impact we know on all our patients. And then um, Claudette, I have to also just um, mention Charles Bonnet syndrome because the increased isolation, the anxiety related to all aspects of the pandemic, the fear of getting the infection, worry about friends and relatives, about finance, fear of shopping. And as you pointed out, fear of really going anywhere. And if you do go somewhere, you get harassed all contributed to this increased stress that precipitated a huge increase in the number of people reporting the visual hallucinations associated with Charles Bonnet syndrome. Once again, we were luckily able to educate and reassure people far and wide as much as we could that Charles Bonnet syndrome is not associated with mental problems and we could explain where the hallucinations were coming from, from the little that we do know about them. And, to, and we found also that reassuring people allayed the fears and then lessened the number of hallucinations that they were suffering. So that information certainly did help them. That's great. So... It certainly affected people in the retina community individually and personally. Now, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected research, retinal research and innovation? Well, Dana, in South Africa, most of our research is actually done by the University of Cape Town, our genetic research and even our genetic testing on their panel. And we fund it through special events and particularly our annual disc and ride for sight, which relies on huge numbers of participants to raise the money. And of course that was just not able to happen. We had to in fact cancel our annual event this year uh, in February. And we don't know in fact, if, if we're going to be able to have it next year. So we had to reduce, drastically reduce our financial support of the project, which has really curtailed their work. And their work was also curtailed by their bench time because it's a very small unit and it's quite overcrowded. I'm amazed that they produce the work they do under those really difficult conditions. So they've had to share bench time, which has meant they've got other projects other than the retinal research. So it has curtailed the amount of hours that can be spent on retinal research. And that of course is also severely impacted the project. Definitely. I think a lot of people might not realize how much the pandemic has affected and slowed down the progress of big research projects like that and affected the funding as well. Um, so what advice would you say you have for people living with a retinal condition during the pandemic? Oh, there's a tremendous amount that one can say about this. And I'm going to just refer back to what we said earlier about not skipping appointments because conditions like diabetic retinopathy, macular degeneration, and of course, glaucoma are very important to diagnose, track, and treat promptly. And very often, only the ophthalmologist can detect the early changes in the eye long before the person themselves is aware that these problems are changing or even developing. So it is essential to keep those eye appointments. We can't stress it enough. Uh, 
Absolutely, Corinne. And also we have found by talking to people, we, we discovered last year that perhaps our, particularly our aging community and certainly our uh, people who, patients who are financially challenged do not have access to technology. But we're trying to encourage that. And in fact, we have seen an improvement. We really have asked them to try and learn new technology in a way to connect with others. For example, Zoom is free. As screen readers, people aren't able to read screens and there are lots of screen readers. For example, uh, NVDA is a free screen reader. If you go to the um, disability icon on your laptop, you also get lots of tricks to increase font size and your cursor, that missing cursor that always disappears. Uh, and also on your smartphone, there are amazing apps. Uh, you can have uh, apps like Be My Eyes and Seeing AR that are free. And even the famous, please ask Siri, and I hope Siri doesn't start now because I've said his name in vain. Uh, and if you have an iPhone, and I know there's a similar um, app available and uh, platform available on, on the uh, Android platform, you just use the voiceover and you can use your phone as a completely hands-free device and it can help you contact people because staying in contact with your friends and family are absolutely essential in combating stress and getting rid of that fear of isolation. Absolutely, Claudette. And talking about devices made me also think about receiving the vaccine because that is so very, very important, the, the COVID vaccine. And the reason this came to mind was because of the amount of fake news that has been available on social media. So what we can say to people is to always double, treble, quadruple check everything that you read about this and any message or headline that is startling and that sparks a strong reaction in you should be checked multiple times as much as you can before you believe it and then only trust that message if it comes from a verifiable, trusted medical source, a reputable source that has, has sent this out. And then, when once you've read it, think 10 times before sharing that information. Ask yourself, why am I sharing this? Because I want to startle everyone else or because this is valuable information that needs to be spread to everyone else? And then finally, just while we're chatting about the vaccine, uh, we need to be aware that it has been shown that around 14% of people who get COVID get diabetes after the infection. And in addition, people who had diabetes prior to the infection frequently find that their blood glucose levels go completely out of control after the infection. And of course, diabetes is associated with that huge increased risk of diabetes-related retinopathies. And I think one needs to be ultra careful to protect against this. And of course, one of the ways of, of trying to get that, that blood sugar under control is exercise. 
we know that with exercise, you can actually move the glucose out of the bloodstream where it does all the damage into the muscles. And because you're exercising more, you will actually get that whole uh, sugar insulin system under control. And of course, exercise also helps you with your stress. Now, I know people haven't been able to walk or swim or perhaps go to the gym, but what you can do is do simple exercises at home. You can just Google, and this time you are allowed to go and Google, uh, H-I-I-T, HIT, which are a series of exercises that move the major muscles of the body. And if you're aged and you're a bit unsure of yourself, make sure you have a sturdy chair. And these are simple exercises, moving all the major muscles of the body, like uh, walking on the spot or sitting on a chair and standing up. And all you need to do is move your major muscles for 30 seconds and then rest for 15 seconds. And if you do that, even five minutes a day, you will in fact make sure that you are far healthier coming out of COVID than you went into it. And of course, we also need to make sure that people follow a healthy diet. A simple dietary rules, everybody knows what they should or shouldn't eat. We need a colorful diet. We need to limit simple carbohydrates and saturated fats. And we need to make sure that we do not smoke. Smoking is the worst thing you can do for any retinal condition. And then another thing that of course is reaching, uh, is creating more awareness now is limiting screen time. I was very interested to hear on the international news this morning that in fact the Chinese government has issued a, a, a law that is now limiting the recreational screen time of children to three hours per week. And that's great because we're all on screens more and we've just been encouraging you to be on your screen more, but you need to be aware of the damage. We all know that ultraviolet light is bad for retinas, but we know that the blue light emitted by your screen is also bad. So don't gaze at your screen unblinking for hours at a time. We have a simple rule, 20-20-20. Look at your screen for 20 minutes. Look away as far as you can, preferably 20 meters or more for 20 seconds and then blink. And don't go and look at your screen and look at all this horrible bad news just before you sleep, because in fact, sleep is also important for the regeneration of your photoreceptor cells. Okay, excellent advice. So we've talked about some substantial negative impacts from the pandemic. Are there any positive aspects or learning outcomes from COVID-19 that make you hopeful for the future of the retina community? I think that there are actually quite a few positive outcomes, but I'm only going to touch on two of them. The first is that employers have suddenly realized that people can work very successfully from home. And because commuting time is eradicated and because people are more relaxed and there are no gatherings around the water cooler, people are a lot more productive. So we can expect more and more people to be able to work from home. And obviously this suits people with visual impairment um, a lot more than anybody else. Although obviously it's wonderful for everybody. And then from an outreach point of view and from an educational point of view, 
Whereas we used to do a tremendous number of talks, lectures in restricted areas because we go into a hall or a meeting room and be teaching and consulting, etc. We now are able to reach out to people who are not even in our city, our town, or very often even in our country. We can speak to people internationally and as well as being able to give advice and consultations to people online rather than expecting them always to come into the office, which once again restricted not only their movement, but their ability to reach us in Johannesburg, where we are, um, where our head office is based. And I think for the community, not only for the patients, but I think for the retina organizations, it's actually forced us also to go virtual. We have put a lot more effort now into education and we have seminars, we have webinars, and of course we've got a helpline. So it's really encouraged us to be more proactive in reaching our retina community. And I just also want to say that I think having access to online, these online talks, which we do uh, monthly through Retina South Africa and weekly through our partnership with the Lower Vision Center of Learning, we cover all aspects of a vision loss. And we hope that we are instilling some hope and courage in our members. We, as retinal patients, overcome many challenges on a daily basis. Isolation, fear, feelings of inadequacy, not being able to cope. And there are all obstacles that we have to face and we have faced. And we just want to say to the retina community, you can overcome this challenge too, but you don't have to do it alone. Please reach out to your local retina society or community or to Retina International. And there's always someone who will help and encourage you, not only during COVID, but during this journey of vision loss. Thank you, Claudette. Uh, I think that's a lovely way to wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you again to Claudette and Karen of Retina South Africa for your time. Thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and hope you tune in for the next episode of the In Focus podcast. <laughs>